0: work with the students, so I'm bringing I'm sorry, thank you. Have you heard what I have said before? Okay. Wonderful. So if you open your Bible, if you have, otherwise uh, if we can bring on uh, uh, this text, if it's possible, otherwise I'll just read. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2. And first 12 verses I will read for you. Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 2. First 12 verses. The visit of the wise man. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise man from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for whom you shall come a ruler who will shepherd by people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and asserted from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go. Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went to their way, and behold, the star that had been seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star This is the word of the Lord. There was one drunkard man, and he was always praying to uh, a statue of his own uh, previous religion, and he was always going and begging all the time, Oh Lord, oh Lord, please give me a lottery, please give me a lottery and 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 i would I would like to win a million dollar and please, please help me to win the million dollar lottery and every time he was going every day, every day, always whenever he was drunken, he went to that 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 statue and and just bowing down and asking, "Oh oh my lord, oh my lord, please give me a million dollar lottery one day the 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 statue and the, it was so offended, it was so. Uh, uh, freaked out by by his continuous prayer from ears and on ears and ears, and one day this Lord, this statue, spoke to this drunkard man, and what he says? He says, "Dude, go and buy a lottery." So this chap was asking for a lottery without having a lottery ticket, and he was praying and begging and begging and asking to please give me a lottery give me a lottery so this is a this is a the story remind me of christmas consumerism and christmas commercialism whenever whenever christmas come you know it is it is uh, it is so highly consumerized it is so highly commercialized that into one study it says that retailer sales give 20% of the total revenue of the air and this air according to our research billion spent only on presents. During this survey, it's an interesting ratio, they find out that almost 70% children are the top of the list. The children's gifts are on top of the list, 70%. Would you guess who is beyond the low of the list? Who is on the bottom of the list? Any idea? Children are on the top, 70%. Who's on the on the bottom? Dads. <laughs> okay, dads always come during Christmas season at the at the at the at the, at the last and not the least. You know, <laughs> I have two young boys and they are re- they are receiving lots of lots of gifts. My son Gabriel he's ten, ten, 10 year old on December 24 So we celebrate Jesus birthday and his birthday all together so he he received a lots of bundle of gifts bundle of gifts and he's always happy during Christmas season <laughs> he waited all, all year. So this is this is the, this is the way when we we heard about the story but the Christmas story also show us another gift that has been presented to G- baby Jesus Christ and these gifts, were not presented by a common people. These gifts were presented by uncommon people. But but this, the story of this gift and magis, it's only mentioned in, two, in one gospel, and that is only the gospel of Matthew. Even Jesus Christ's birth story is mentioned only in two gospels, not all four gospels. We, we, we heard about stars and the magis and the shepherds and angels only in the gospel of Luke and gospel of Matthew. So... But when we see these Christmas cards, the theology of Christmas card is also disturbing, Sometimes it confused me, because when we will go further, we will see that generally when we see Christmas card, how many magis you see? Three. Okay? And, and another, another, another picture we see that they are coming to a manger where baby Jesus and a small baby sitting with a mother Mary. But that's not the actual story. This is only the uh, imagination of the poets and the painters, which we received, and which we, which we imagine. Oh, this is a theology, because 70 to 80% people receive Christmas story or, 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 or learn Christmas story through these Christmas cards. And that's, that's where our general imagination comes. But today's scripture tells us a different story and a different angle. So, which I'm going to share with you. So first of all, we need to know that the Gospel of Luke present Mary, a story of Jesus' birth from Mary's, Mary's perspective, which, which unfolds divine royal lineage through mother, not by the father. However, Gospel of Matthew take a lineage from Joseph, not from the mother, from the, from the Joseph side, And Matthew tried to bring a David, king, David's human lineage through the Gospel of Matthew. There are 60 references from the Old Testament only in the Gospel of Matthew. How many references? More than 60 quotations from Old Testament about proving Jesus is the royal Messiah, Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecies and the prophetic literature and God's foretold plan. So that's how they go. And this Mary and Joseph... The Magi come in the, in, the, uh, in the Matthews narrative they confirm David's credentials and coronation of the divine king. Who are these magis? This is an interesting question who how they came to know how they connected with all these uh, this narrative and the story there are different Perspective; there are different research, but most probably, generally, scholars and Bible historians agreed that these Magi came all the way from Persia, from today's Iran. How come to that they came to this uh, this narrative? Interestingly, uh, uh, nobody knows their name. Only three gifts; through even they were not three. Three Magi; they were even more than three because Bible says there were. Many magis, many wise men traveled and they saw the star. Therefore, not number three. How we ended up with number three? Because of gifts. Because they presented three gifts. And we assume, oh, there were three magis or three wise men. Well, that's not the true story. Anyway, so how, how these wise men came out, and even during the medieval era, there were literature and movies also came out who even gave these wise men three names. And one name somebody gave Melchior, other name was given Jasper, other name was given Balthazar. These were the names which was given to these three even magis. Even there were movies out there in Netflix and also on uh, Amazon. If you see there are Chasing the Star, The Fourth Wise Man, and all these kind of movies that even even if you go to YouTube, who were the wise man, YouTube is bombarded with the introduction about the wise man. But what's the biblical nature Tell us the origin of wise men. Now, the origin of the wise men is interesting. As I mentioned before, they were from Persia, mostly from east. And when we talk about east, from when we live in, a, in, a, in a America, we think that east is Middle East. You know, but we all know we are from Korea, from China, from India, from Pakistan. We know that that's not only east. That's only not only Middle East. Even there are other easts. You know. So, so that's how we, we tell our, our American or Caucasian friends well, that not only East, East is huge. That's not only that side. But anyway, so in that biblical time, when America was not found, Australia was not found, and there were, they were now all these seven continents, only three continents, and the East was represent actually Persia, Babylon, Egypt, Africa, Asia, and India. That's how they represent East at that time. So these... Magi's, they belonged to a nomadic ancient tribe. They were a religious caste of divination. Magi, a priestly tribe of unmatched superiority. Unmatched superiority. They're traced back to Father Abraham, even 1700 BC. So their role, what was their role, actually? They were not kings. Actually, we we heard another Carol. you know, we three kings of the Orient, you know. We sing that carol also during Christmas. But they were actually not kings. They were kingmakers. Until or unless they ordain and they approve by reading the star and the signs, nobody could reach to the throne or in the rulership without their approval or without their prophetic utterance to confirm, yes, this is the person who could be a proper king for this nation. So they were actually king makers of the East. Greek word is magos. That's the word came magician. That's how they take the word magi. But Matthew used wise men. So they were actually priests. They identify the king and validate his royalty and divinity. You might be know that in biblical time, king was not only a representation of the political rulership. King was also a representation of the divine uh, presence. That's how they came to know. You, 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 uh, in the story of the, of the Moses story in Egypt, you know, the Pharaoh was not only a human king. Pharaoh was the image of the sun god Ra. That's why they called Pharaoh. Ra means a sun god. So That's how Pharaoh called himself even God. So that's how this came. So we know that these were the people and we know their origin. Now, how they came, these Zoroastrian from old Persia, current Iran, non-Jewish people, they have no prophetic voice, they have no literature, they have no prophecies, they have no idea what who Jewish nation are, or how Jewish nation work, but how they came to know the knowledge of the coming Messiah from the Jewish nation. That's an interesting story. That's an interesting aspect. And it resonates today that how God is engaging and God is in a mission. We usually, as a missiologist, we use the term missiodai. Dei. De means God's mission. We sometimes think as church people, oh, we, we are, this is church mission, or this is our mission, this is our, our church mission to do that. But no, no, this is a wrong perception. Actually, God, mission is always belong to God. Church never have any mission. Church is an instrument for God's mission. But mission is always God. God is always working in the world. God always surprises us. Whenever we engage to go somewhere or to engage some new person, or or we meet to the students or anywhere else, we we came to realize and God surprises us. He was already before us. He was already present there. And he guides us to be at that part. So anyway, how these wise men got the knowledge of the Jewish king. So there are different approaches, and different research. But most probably, um, if you know the story of Balaam, have anybody heard this name? Balaam? It's a story in the book of Numbers. When the, when the Israelites were in the wilderness and they were fighting with different kings and different nations, then, uh, then there was a one, one king, his name was Balak. And that king, that's a story in the, in the, in the book of Numbers, chapter 22. So the, he, he went to a, one particular prophet, his name was Balak. Uh, Balaam, Balaam bin Fahur, and he went to the he went to this prophet and he was non-Jewish prophet. But as I mentioned before, these magis and these people who has power and authority people think they have a power and authority to curse and they have power and authority to make kings or 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 brought down kingdoms. So the, he came to that, that uh, Balaam, that prophet, and he, he gave him a money and says, this nation is coming from the wilderness. And he was mentioned to the Israelites. And he said, they are coming. They are so powerful and they are so mighty and their God is with them. And he's, he's, he's just sweeping out each and every nation and kingdom, whoever uh, come into their way. Go and curse them that they may disappear. So this Balak, he tried to go and then, his donkey saved his life. If you know the story, the donkey spoke to that prophet because the God sent his angel with a, with a huge sword to kill that prophet. But donkey saw and donkey saved and he was beating his donkey and until he was beating so hardly, a third time donkey speak up. So the speaking donkey in the Bible story. That's interesting story, you You might read that. So when he went to curse them, God's spirit inspired him and says, you don't need to curse these people. They are my people. And then he prophesied and he says, the scepter from the Israel will appear. Scepter means a star. That's the first time a star mentioned from the Israel by a non-Jewish prophet. In the book of Numbers, when Israelites were traveling to the wilderness. That's the first time we heard about. Now, how these powerful king makers came to know the knowledge of the coming king. The first connection with these magis and with these wise men in the Bible history we see in the book of Daniel. If you know the Daniel story, you know that uh, uh, when King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, when Daniel has been slaved and captured and went to, is- to the Babylon. So there was a dream, a God gave a dream to the king Nebuchadnezzar, and, and he brought and he invited all his wise men and interpreter and everybody. And you know what was, what was he commanded? He commanded, interpret my dream. And all wise men who were on a payroll and having a lavish lifestyle, and they said, okay, king, please, give, please tell us what is your dream. And he said, no, no, no. I'm not telling you dream. You tell me what dream I saw, and then you interpret for me. That was impossible. How can somebody tell if somebody have a good or bad dream last night? But that was King's command. He says, "Tell me because you are divinations. You have a gift of divination. You have gift of interpretation. You tell me the gift and then the interpretation." And he says, "If you do not able to do that, I will chop all of your heads." So the whole institution in Daniel's chapter 1 and 2, they all trembled and they said, what shall we do? What shall we do? How can we save our lives? Until God gave this dream to Daniel and the interpretation. And that's how Daniel become the head of this all magis and wise men school or institution. That's how the, through the book of Daniel we see that these Non-Jewish wise men, magi, those who read stars and signs, they came to know the knowledge of the coming king. That's how Daniel influenced them. Now the story, when we talk about star, sometimes we think about star, you might have seen star on a cards, or you have seen the star when people hang star on a Christmas tree, I hope you already have, yes, the top on the star. And also you might we have idea of star that might be stars could be continuously there and they were guiding like a torchlight or the, or the mobile satellite. That was not a case. The Bible says that star might be a kind of angel of the Lord. You might have seen when, 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 the, when the group of angels, the, uh, the heavenly choir, when appeared to the shepherds, it was like a bright light, like a, like a flashlight, powerful light, and they all scared, all these shepherds. So the word actually which used, it is the glory of God, which is Shekinah. The Hebrew word is Shekinah. That was angel of the Lord. And then there was another word, koshav. that is the Hebrew word for for a bright light, shining glory, blazing light of a unique shining. asteroid. the word came, second coming of Christ, which relate to that. So God revealed himself through supernatural signs to these people. Before Christmas, I was in a, in a family, an Indian family uh, near Long Beach. So they invited us for a carol service at their home. And there were kids. And uh, so we thought about that we should make, uh, because Christmas is all about kids. So I thought it might be it's good to have uh, questions, uh, to have a brief video with kids uh, to put on our church page and um, having a question. So I asked four kids. I said, OK, would you please sit around? So I sit on the floor. And I asked them, do you have any questions about Christmas? Let's talk about it. And then the camera was on. And the most interesting question came from my youngest son, Ethan. And he says, why God did not send angels to these magi, while he sent angels only to shepherds? Why angels were not sent to, the, to these magi? I said, wow, this is an incredible question. He's only seven years old. And uh, I said, "Okay, this is a good question. So how I I answer that? These magi, as I mentioned before, they never have any prophetic literature. They, They don't have any prophecy. Their gift and their connection with the unseen world or the future events was only silent signs in the sky. What language they understand? only reading astrology or astronomy. They were astrologists. So, if they never have any idea about angels or light or appearance or a voice, they could be freaked out. They would not believe on that. So, God speaks the language which they understand. That is the meaning of incarnation. The word incarnated, lived among us, become like us, human being. God pitched his tent among humans that he may communicate us on a way that we may understand how God speaks. That's reminding me of another story. There was the one person who, who, uh, who was frequently visited his, his mother in a, in a senior home, and his mother was diagnosed by dementia, and she was, she was fading all her memory. She even doesn't know who is this person, his son, her son, who has come every week from morning to evening and sit with her all day. All the medical staff and all these administrators of these senior homes, they were so amazed to see this young man coming every week frequently, committedly, and sit with his mom for a whole day, for years and years. And then one day, this, uh, uh, a medical rep who was there, who was observing this young man, he says, your mother don't know who you are. She totally, her, her, her memory is totally uh, erased. She doesn't know. Why are you spending time with, with your mom all, all these years? He says, she doesn't know me, but I know who she is. So then, then how you connect with her. Then he says that, actually, my mother in, in his, in, in, under, under her present condition, she has her own world where she lives. In, his, in, his, in her imagination. She has an own world. He says that I enter in her world to connect with her. Not come with my own world. As soon as I entered in her imaginative world, I connected with her. That's what God did. God entered in our world and he became one of us. And that's how he connected and communicated with all of us. So that's the case with the magi, the wise men, that they only understand the language of silent signs. If God speak to them, they were not able to follow the sign. Because they only read silent sign language. That was their history. Anybody watch a movie? Avatar couple of years ago there was a movie Avatar. Okay? How a crippled hero in a physical world, when he connected with that jungle world through scientific machines, he become a perfect avatar entered in their world without knowing where he's actually coming from. That's that's how that's how incarnation worked. I could use that, that example only. So what were, what were they doing in Jerusalem? What was their inquiry? So their inquiry was, where is the king of Jews? That was just like I, when I came, I asked Brother Moon, um, uh, what about the situation in the pastor search committee? And he says that, oh, we are still searching and we are close to candidacy. And you know, what if somebody came from nowhere and says, hey, I'm the pastor of this church. What will, you, what will be your, your response? Oh, we are the committee. <laughs> we are the congregation. And we are going to decide who's the pastor. How, how come? It will disturb you all. So that's the same situation with the Herod. He was, he was assigned or selected king of Jews by the Roman Empire who was ruling in that area. And, and these wise men, these magi, just appear from nowhere. And he says, where is the king of Jews? So that's, we see that whole Jerusalem and even the king court, they were all freaked out. Oh, what's happening? What's what's going on? They were all so amazed to see that. So their inquiry was, they were the people, as I mentioned before, astronomers, and they were reading stars. They came, they have a gift of divinity with scientific knowledge. Their college, their university education was enriched by a divine and, and by, the, by the scientific knowledge with the divinity. That's how they came to, came to this conclusion that we need to go and worship. The only purpose, these non-Jewish pagan worshippers of the fire, readers of the stars, no, no idea about the one and only God, and they were coming and traveled out of the way and they were traveling, I don't know, more than two years, three years. They were traveling and they were reached there. What was their discovery? What they discovered when they approach? So they discovered that they came to a wrong palace, wrong people and wrong place. Because they were, they were thinking that the king will be born in a big, huge palace. But that was not the king from a physical or from a worldly royalty. He was from the divine royal blood or lineage. So they came that they were at a wrong place. They reached to indifferent people who have no connection with God. Although they have prophetic literature, they have law, they have Torah, they have prophet voices, but they have no personal connection with God. They were totally indifferent people. So, then the relig- religious professional—they don't care. When 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 um, uh, when Herod invite all these scribes and and the law and the uh, specialist of the law, they know where this king is going to born. They know the place. They know the prophecy from the Micah chapter five. They know that they, he will born in the Bethlehem. So they have this knowledge. They have this foretold voices of the prophecy. But they have no personal relationship with God. So when they came to discover that they were at wrong place among the wrong people, then when they have been told, you need to go where? To Bethlehem. Not in Jerusalem. You need to go to Bethlehem. Anybody have idea what's the meaning of Bethlehem? Have you heard before? Any idea? No. So this is a small name of city. Bathlehem is a compound word, just like Bethsaida, just like just like Bethlehem, Bethsaida. These were the different names. So Bethlehem means a house of bread. Bethlehem. It's a Hebrew word. A house of bread. So, God sent the bread, of the, the bread of life in the city of bread. So, Jesus Christ, he was the light of and the life of the world, and the life which gave eternal life. He was born in the city of Bethlehem, and that city has interesting history because that was the city of Rachel. Anybody know who was Rachel in the Bible story? Rachel was the wife of Jacob. So Jacob buried Rachel there. And then the great-grandmother of King David, Ruth, a non-Jewish Moabite young girl, she also buried in Bethlehem. And then King David born in where? Bethlehem. That was the city of David. That's how Jesus Christ was born to the Bethlehem. The third and the final thing, what these wise men did, they offer their gifts to God. They're offertory. So first thing was inquiry. So what was the inquiry? Where is the king of Jews? And why you are here? Why you are inquiring? Because although we are not Jewish people, we don't have prophetic literature, we don't have prophetic voices, but we came all the way to worship him. Because they realized, they recognized who is born in this world, who entered in this world, the God's word incarnated now. And now, the second thing, they discover that they came to wrong people at wrong place. Now, when they came to the right place, their response was to offer him. And they brought their gifts with him. So, they entered at the house. This is an interesting thing. Christmas card told us they entered where? To a small baby. A small baby, one or two days in the manger. But actually, we read in the Bible, they entered not in the... Stable, they entered at the house. And baby Jesus is not no more a baby. He is now around two years old. So they saw the child with Mary, his mother. So first thing what they did, they bow down, they worship. And after worshiping, they offer their gift. They they worship, they didn't worship to Mary, they didn't worship to Joseph. Sometimes we have been told that you need to pray or worship Mary or, or you need to worship other, other, other folks around, around Jesus Christ. No, no. Jesus Christ is the only God who is worthy of our worship. So Christmas is Christ-centered. Christmas is not about any other person. So, and Christmas told us that worship only belonged to Jesus Christ. He is our mediator. He is God incarnated. We don't need to worship anybody else. So that's what they offered. So their gifts, what was their gift? Three gifts. Number one, gold. Number two, myrrh. And number three, frankincense. Now, these three gifts represent three things. Gold represent his kingship because at that time, only kings and queens have this expensive gold. A common person could not have these kind of, uh, this kind of uh, uh, possessions. The myrrh. Mirror. Myrrh mirror came from a small tree from Middle East. It's used mostly for perfume, for aroma. And that aroma used for bedding, for clothing, for young ladies, bridal procession, for fragrance, aesthetic, even for burial. And myrrh was represent Jesus Christ humanity. He's a human, so first, who is he? Is king of the kings. Number two, he's a, he's a human. And number three, frankincense. Frankincense mostly, it's a pure incense. It is a priestly kingship meal offering in the book of Leviticus. It was, a, it was kind of a wedding gift. It was for fragrance, for ointment, Offertory to God, if you read the book of Exodus, chapter 34, God gave a special recipe to make this frankincense to burn in the sanctuary. And that was not for a common use. Not a common person without priestly order even could touch that frankincense. That was so sacred. So frankincense represent Christ's deity. He's the God. So three gifts represent What? First gift represent, he is the ruler, he is the king of the kings. He is a divine king, he is a God-man king. Number two, he is a human, represent our humanity. And number three, he represents his divinity. As Paul says that the whole divinity resides in the presence of Jesus Christ. Whole divine order. So my brother and sisters what does this wise man teach us? This wise man teach us that sometimes we try to give offer, offering to God and think that that's enough without giving our hearts, without taking a risk, without engaging in God's mission, without taking a trip, without, without, uh, without offering our heart, we try to connect with God. And that is not possible. These wise men, they have no previous connection. God brought these non-Jewish, Zoroastrian, pagan worshippers to challenge the indifference of the hires of the prophetic voices, hires of the uh, of the Moses seat, hires of the, of the scriptures, all these people who have no personal connection with God. And when God incarnated, they have no idea how to deal with that. So the challenges. So there were three groups in the whole story. The first group is resented group. They resented, oh, why he was born, and this group is belong to Herod. Why? Because Jesus' status, even he's a baby child, his birth is going to disturb these fall kinghoods these fall kingdoms they will disturb by Jesus so he hated hostility group Herod Herod's hostility he was a wretched worshiper even he was he was imitating that and he was making a making a statement that he is going to worship Jesus but we know that he his, his heart was not with God he has another plan under the guise of worship he tried to kill Jesus Christ but God saved and then he killed more than it says that around, it was around 60,000 kids under two years old were butchered and killed under the Herod at that time. So he killed babies. He tried to imitate like a worshiper, but he was not a worshiper. They resented why Christ is born. The second group is rejected. Bible says, Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 8, it says that he came to his own and they rejected him. So these were the people... These were the religious temple, legal Pharisees, righteous ladder. They were priests, high priests, and scribes. Have the knowledge and the voices of prophets Micah 2, Isaiah chapter 60, but they have no spiritual interest, no connection with the Messiah. Indifferent religious people have no idea what to deal and how to do with the Christ. And the third group, those who rejoiced, and who are these people? They were adoring worshipers. They were wise men, magi, shepherds, angels, rejoicing exceedingly great abundance, worshiped, offering God direction, received God's voices and God's direction in dreams. God was speaking to them. So the challenge is in which group we belong to? There are possible two responses. When you entered to the, have you ever been to Israel? Anybody? You have been there? Yeah. So she, she, she recognized. Okay. So who, who else has been in Israel? Anybody have made a trip? No? Okay. So this is a picture uh, of the Church of the Nativity in, in Israel, in Jerusalem, near Jerusalem, actually in Bethlehem. So that is a place where, if you click next one, please. So this is the place inside this small building. This is, a, this is the, called the Church of the Nativity. This is the star sign which authorities have put on a place where they think that this was the place where star was came down and the place where Jesus gave birth. So when you go to that, that place, you cannot go enter straight like from this door. You have to like this. The door, entering door from the stone is so short that you cannot go straight by a by, by heads up. When you are entering to that place to see the birthplace of Jesus Christ, you have to what? You have to bow down. And we all know those who are from, from Korean, from Japanese, from Chinese culture. We know that when we meet our elders, when we greet, it's a sign of what? Sign of respect. We bow down. That's how they are doing. So there are two possible responses, as I mentioned before. One is rejected repulsive. Their power, authority, their seeds, their religious status quo was challenged by Jesus' birth. And the other one is not his own people. They have no idea. They have no previous connection but they rejoice, they're respected, they're received, and they're blessed by the birth of Jesus Christ. As a student to mission and the missiologist, I was, um, mostly when I travel in, uh, in America and different parts of the Europe also, I see that there are lots of huge buildings, huge cathedrals, huge churches, but they're empty people. Once America was the great nation to send missionaries around the world. Pakistan was a mission field. Korea was a mission field by the American missionaries. By the western European mission work. And now Europe and America become a mission field. Church is crumbling. That's now God is bringing brown, white, yellow people to challenge and to reignite and to brush away the ashes of indifference in these nations. That's my challenge to mostly non, uh, 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 non-white or Caucasian churches, that God has gave us a mission field. God has gave us a mission. God is working in this nation to reignite them, but God is, God is going to do with the help and with the, with the support and with the ministry of the non-white people. That's where our role come. The only matter is if we hear the voice, if we got the vision and how to revive and help to make this nation not politically great again, but spiritually great again. This is the challenge. So Christmas and the mission of Messiah, Worship is the central theme of the Christmas. And how these non-Jewish, pagan, wise men challenge the religious atrocity and authority in the Jerusalem? By worshipping Jesus Christ. So, worship is our public witness to the world. That's how God's grace overflows. That's how God's plan unfolds to the world when we worship, and we invite nations to worship with Lord Jesus, with us, to Lord Jesus Christ. It's a treasure of heaven in our heart. Bible says, "Your treasure always follows where your heart is. Where is our heart? Is it with the God's mission? Or it's within our own lifestyle. Are we self-centered or we are Christ-centered? And when we are Christ-centered, it requires sacrifice. It requires offertory, It required travel. It required it required our our personal sacrifices, our family sacrifices, our prayer time, our our uh, our risks in in God's work. Are we willing to do that? So grace, demand, responsibility. In the faithless context, God gave these people are grace and his own knowledge from a very unique way which has not been given to the Jewish people. Jewish people have voice. They have prophets. They have prophetic literature. And these people doesn't have. They have only silent signs. And yet the challenge to the indifferences of these people. This is our role, my dear friends. And God is calling us to be a part of God's mission in this generation through our worship and our witness. May God give us strength and understanding that we may follow and join the group of these wise men to bring a wonders of worship to our neighborhood. Let's bow and pray. Heavenly Father, we bless you and we thank you that you brought These non-Jewish people, those people who were unknown, you make them known. They were common people, you made them uncommon. They were the silent readers of the signs and you brought them to challenge those who have voice-centric witness. We ask your favor on this church, this congregation, your clear signs, your voice, the presence and power of your Holy Spirit reignite them and use them mightily for your kingdom. In Jesus' strong name we pray.